You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. You're listening to The Sports Fix. Yep, Tommy's here. Aaron is here. Sorry about yesterday. Something came up last second. Um, We haven't missed that many podcasts since the radio show came back. But people need their fix. Uh, People people got really upset with me yesterday. And Aaron, I was trying to think, seriously, have we missed more than two regularly scheduled podcasts since I went back to radio in August? There were a couple. Turn your mic there, on. Yeah, turn my mic on would help. There would. Uh, there were a couple in August that you had already planned out. Already before, planned in August. Yes, before yeah. you had known. But since football season has started, no. Twice. Something like I think that. two yeah. of them. Yeah. Calm down, people. You are diligent. You, you, you'll show up. I'll always give you that. Yeah, that's one thing I was always taught by my, my parents. Yes. Just show up. That's 90% <laughs> of the battle. Um, all right. Um, I do want to just briefly, if you don't mind, indulge me. To talk about the Wizards. Okay, I understand. It was, you it, do? I didn't watch it, but from what I read about it, it was an exciting game. Well, at the very end of the game, it was really good to have Ted Leonsis on the bench because he was talking to was Scott he? Brooks. Okay. You know, during the game, the game was actually still being played. And he's Key talking moments, to his coach. He's talking to his coach. Oh, well, his coach could use help. And and it, I think Ted probably helped out, you know, in, in maybe some of the defensive schemes down the stretch. Well, they could use a lot of help on their defensive Tommy, schemes. Tommy, is there one owner? One owner in all of sports that is closer to the action on a nightly basis, weekly basis, whatever sport plays, whatever schedule, than Ted Leonsis. Not that I can think of. I can't think of one either. Well, that's part of the business of happiness. I guess so. Yes. He's happy on on the bench next to his players. So He owns the team. The next question would be, the follow-up question would be, why is he the only owner in sports that sits on his team's bench? Is it a positive or is it a negative? Are the other people, are the other owners wrong not to be there? Or is he wrong to be there? Well, he's wrong to be there. Okay. Absolutely. 100%. Do you think I knew what the answer was? Wrong (laughs) to be there. I mean, you know what? You know what it says? He sat on that bench, right next to that bench for years. And then when he fired Ernie, he came out and said, I didn't really know what was going on. <laughs> That's true. You know, he sat <laughs> right there, had a ringside seat yes. for the whole thing, and then he claims he was clueless. I mean, I mean, what does that say about him? Not to mention the fact it's not like he's eating a lot of food these days that would have taken his attention away from the seat that he had in the game that was going on right in front of him. I mean, I, it, it's a bad look. It's a but, but you know, you know, he manages. He, he look, uh, particularly for. Oh, the media in this town, too, especially the Post. I mean, the Post just sucks up to him so much. I mean, like like the whole the whole Ernie revelation. Remember when Ernie left and then the Post wrote this big story about how there was a problem with the culture with the team? Like they were the last people in town to know this? It was just unbelievable. So, But the national media really loves Ted. They love because, you know, he appears at all these panels and discussions, TED Talks, oh, Med Talks, Fed Talks, and uh, and and uses uses uh, words like like synergy and, and stuff like that. <laughs> you know, he's like the guy in in, in that Dennis Quaid movie. <coughs> yeah, uh, when they buy the sports magazine, I forget the name of it. It's I don't a, know what movie. It's you're a good about. mag, good 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 uh, movie. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I mean, the the bottom line is. 
he sat next to the bench for years, and then he claimed I didn't know what was going on. I have to read a couple of tweets, um, responses, because I tweeted out at the end of the game last night, Tommy. Good Wizards win. Ted on the bench helping coach at the end helped lock it up. I retweeted it. Oh, you did? Yes, so I did. I got a couple of really funny responses from Corey. He was obviously optimizing the assets in the monumental human capital portfolio to leverage the most effective positive outcome for organizational excellence. Obviously, this is an attempt to talk like Ted does, right? Yes. Um, and uh, there was another one in here. Hold on, I got to find it. Um, uh, I think I, I responded to him that it was, you're right, it was a value added, mission critical deliverable. Yeah. Um, and then somebody else. Um, let me find the other one because the other one was funny too. It was a couple of them that responded. Now, uh, helped enhance synergies. This was Lee. Helped enhance synergies with forward thinking on the need to score additional points. <laughs> and it's like everybody sort of gets this. Like, this is all like if a lot of you recognize this. It's the annoying way in which a lot of people in business talk to each other using these these very annoying business, you know, buzzwords. And it's definitely the way Ted and his people probably communicate with one another at Monumental. And by the way, your guy Callahan tries to do that with I'm sure Bruce Trust me, they're not at the level of Ted or any of his friends. And I'm not sure. I don't know what level Ted is. I don't know. I get pretty excited uh, when I hear you, the word self-scout. You, you're the only one. <laughs> you're the only. This guy's trying way too hard. Um, but I just thought it was funny, some of your uh, responses on Twitter last night with all of that stuff. I, he is he. He's very lucky his hockey team won the Stanley Cup. Yeah. Because... He gets a free pass in this town as well, the owner who's smart, out-of-the-box thinker, engaging, and everybody seems to – I don't think everybody does anymore. That would be unfair. I think in recent years people have picked up on what you and I have picked up on for a long time, and that is he's pretty self-absorbed. You know, anybody that writes a book lecturing you on how to be ha- happy is pretty fond of himself. Yes. And, you know, the fact that he's been sitting on his NBA's team bench, and I've been calling it out here for a couple of years, uh, maybe Scott Brooks doesn't care at all. I, I don't know if the players care, but it is very unique. Mark Cuban sits a couple of rows behind his team's bench. Arthur Blank and Jerry Jones will end up on the sideline sometimes late the in the game. The last five minutes of but the game. But I don't even think you've seen Jerry do that in recent years. No. I would think. But Jerry will be in the locker room. I would think that the head coach, while he's at work, which is coaching a game, I think in some ways it would be a distraction. Yeah. I really do. I would think it would be. On the other hand, Scott Brooks, you know, whether he has 100% attention or 50% attention, he's not a very good coach. Uh, I like Scott, though. And he, this team, we got sidetracked here. I, I told you a week and a half ago, after I forget which game it was, I said, they're actually better than they even think. You know, because this is a season that comes with sort of a, hey, the expectation, at least from the fan base, they haven't said this, but it's sort of a season in which they were going to 
you know, have a modified tanking sort of season. Try to get their salary cap structure in store. They're going to be without the Mahinmi contract next year. Get a couple of guys on expiring contracts so they can really reload when John gets back. You know, hope that the draft turns out with Rui Hachimura. Right. Um, and that Troy Brown Jr., the number one pick from last year, develops, which I don't really see that right now. Oh, that I do was, see a that lot. was an Ernie pick. Yes, I do see um, a lot of promise in Hachimura. Yes, uh, absolutely. You know, but they, they have in a lot of these complementary pieces, they have some good players. They lead the NBA in scoring people through 12 games. I know it's a, a it's not a three-game sample size. It's 12 games. They lead the NBA in scoring right now. It is a brand of basketball that a lot of you, including me, I don't I don't like to see this consistently. They don't guard. You know, they're they're just it's a summer league sort of up and down, fast-paced but you know what? They've got guys that can shoot it. They've got guys that see the floor, that pass well. Bertans is one of the best shooters in the league. He was in San Antonio, but he's a little bit more than that. I love Mo Wagner. Beal is turned into an, a, a truly elite scorer. Yes. I don't put him in there in the category as an elite player. He's a very good player. Um they have uh, Ish Smith, who I had on the radio show, who's always been one of the fastest guards in the league, um, and, he, and he plays hard. You know, Thomas Bryant's a big that can catch, has good feet. I love Mo Wagner. He's the guy that I loved coming out of Michigan. I just think he's a star in the making, um, you know, down the road. Uh, it's fun to watch them. Okay. Now, let me take you through that. Look, I, I, I recognize and, and readily acknowledge that you know – more a lot more about basketball than I do. You're much in more in tune with the game on a regular basis than I am. But I do know something about basketball. Yes, you do. You this is your favorite sport too. And and I think that what they're trying to accomplish we heard in the off season, particularly with their three-headed front office is changing the culture. To change the culture of a team on the court you have to start on defense. That's Defense is culture as much as talent. Defense is the identity of a team. And, and they're, they're, they're just inability. Uh, Scott Brooks' inability to either teach it or their inability to either be interested in playing it or to grasp it leaves them no closer to changing the culture than they were at the start of the season. Uh, defense is... It's about talent, but it's also about desire. It's also about attitude. It is the very definition of a culture of a team. If a team has a defensive culture, everything else will fall into place. So that's a bit disturbing. Yeah, I I know what you're saying, and, and sometimes I just don't think that way. Um, like you do, you grasp onto something that could turn into a column at some point, you know, in the next day or two, and you really ride it but I would, for all see, it's I, worth. I, but I but I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not. I'm. I'm kidding with you okay. to a certain degree. Okay. The bottom line is in this sport, you and in most sports, you know, the NFL, we still, we still have not seen a team that was terrible defensively. And great offensively, unless you want to call that New Orleans team, which I think was the lowest ranked 
um, defense. But they were an opportunistic <clears throat> defense. But still, low-ranked in terms of they gave up chunk yards. It, yes, it, they did. You know, the Redskins in 83 were an opportunistic defense with the largest turnover ratio in NFL history. Right. Their, their secondary was nicknamed the Pearl Harbor Crew because it was easy to bomb them yeah. You know, on a daily basis. And they did not win the Super Bowl. They got to the Super Bowl, but they got beat by a team with a great defense yes. in the Raiders with two incredible corners that completely shut down the Redskins' offense and wide receiver core. But, you know, in the NBA over the course of, of time, you, you really, I, I, you know, people will say, oh, you know, it's a sport. The last two minutes matter. You know, you don't guard anybody. You better guard in the postseason. Yeah. Or you're not in Golden State for as prolific a team as they've been offensively. Um, they were a very good defensive team, too. Now, great offensive teams sometimes end up getting better defensive results. But those are teams that run offense. The Wizards, I don't know what their pace of play is right now. It's ridiculous. Like, it's not very long before they get a shot up. They're the leading scoring team in the league, and they give up the most points in the league right now defensively. They're giving, they're, they're averaging, I think, um, 119 a game, and they're giving up 121 a game, yeah. which is really amazing. 121 a game, that that probably won't last. They can't sustain that bad. They can't. They can't sustain that bad. Um, but I guess my overarching theme here is that in an East where – you know, it gets sketchy and questionable from about six on, six, seven, eight spot on. Like, they're good enough offensively, and they may be good enough as a team if they really went for it. And I don't know what the organizational mindset is. Maybe they would much prefer to be in the lottery next year and pick in the lottery for it would be the second straight year. I think Ted is, Wall Ted is back. A, a go-for <clears throat> guy in this sense. I mean, Ted has already said. A go for what? Go for the playoffs guy? Yeah. Uh, Ted has already said he thinks they're closer than 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 they thought. I didn't hear that. Has yeah. he said that? Yes, he did. When did he say that? Uh, he said that. I forget where I read it. It was an interview. And like in the last week or so? It, yeah, yeah, it was. I'll find it for you. I mean, I know he, I have it. He's right, Tommy. Okay, well, he did say that. He's right. They have a lot of gifted offensive players, and they have a lot of guys that can just flat out shoot it and create. You know, like Hachimura looks really good to me. I was a big Brandon Clark fan out of Gonzaga. And by the way, Aaron, Brandon Clark's killing it at Memphis so far. But Hachimura looks like the real deal. Uh, I mean, and not only that, has a very sort of, you know, advanced game. He does everything and he's under control and he doesn't seem overwhelmed. I think he's averaging like 14 a game and six rebounds in like 20-something minutes. I mean, he's having a big, big start to his. You know, he could end up being the the third star. Yes, for, yes, he for could. Wall no, I think he could. <clears throat> um, you know, Isaiah Thomas isn't going to be on this team next year. Bertans may be a huge tr- chip for them at the trade deadline. That could bring back a lot. Don't. In fact, I'm just thinking about it for the first time because he's not under contract. I don't think Aaron next year. I think I looked this up earlier this morning. Bertans does not have um, is not under contract next year. Wagner is. Uh, Ish Smith is uh, obviously Beal, Bryant, Hachimura. They all are, but I think guys like C.J. Miles and Bertans are not under con- and Isaiah Thomas are not under contract next year. Is that correct? Do you have that their 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 salary structure up? I want to. Uh, he is he is a free agent after this year, correct? Bertans and who else yes. is? Am I right about uh, Isaiah Thomas also? Uh, I'd have to pull up the whole Wizards when I just okay. pulled up Bertans. That's all right. Uh, so, but, but let me much more than Isaiah Thomas. Bertans could be a significant trade chip 
at the deadline if they're not contending for something and they okay. don't want to re-sign him. And when I say major, I'm talking about like a a protected first rounder. I can't believe we're talking about the Wizards as much. Okay, here's what <laughs> it's unbelievable. I'm sorry. Here's what Ted said at the uh, the dedication of three basketball courts that uh, the Wizards organization, Monumental, was part of at the Farabee Hope Recreation Center. This is what he said. When? Uh, I don't know, a couple of days ago. Okay, so it was a couple of days ago. Yeah. Not a couple of months ago. No, no. This is what he said, and this is this is Ted speak. We look at the world now in 10-game increments. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> like, Here it comes. We'd like to see progress in those increments. Where's, is he going to talk about deep dives? Next year, we'll have John Wall back. We'll have a little bit of space under the salary cap. I think the NBA is very different this year than it's been in the past. And I stick with, I think, our turnaround can be quick and fast. But we don't have any expectations about wins and losses. This is what I speak to. It's more about culture, identity, and what players will be with us on a long-term basis. Okay. So he thinks the turnaround can be quicker. Well, of course he's going to say that. Uh, look, I'm, I'm looking right now at this team, and what I see is I see a team that if they actually play this season to win as many games as they can possibly win, they could win enough games to be a 7 or an 8 seed in the East. That's what I see so far. And I've watched a lot of NBA here over the last week. I did not watch a lot in October when we had World Series games right. um, going on. I, I want to mention. So you're the guy watching the NBA. I'm the, I'm the one guy. Okay. Watching it. Um, the Clippers Celtics last night. First time with Kawhi and George on the on the court at the same time. They're they're my pick. They're going to win the title this year. It's going to be the, the Lakers and Clippers could be the Western Conference Final. That you could know, be, that in would one be arena. Um. Uh, also, um, I have had a couple of people, just a couple, say, "Are you are you going to talk about Luka Doncic or not?" So last night, and I think I think you'll get a kick out of this if you didn't know this already. Luka Doncic was the became the first player in NBA history to manage a thirty point plus triple double in twenty five minutes. He had uh, where where is it? Um, he had thirty points. By the way, the final score was Dallas 142, Golden State 94. <laughs> they won by 48 points. Um, Doncic in the game, 35 points, 11 assists, 10 rebounds. All right, last night in 25 minutes or less. First yeah. player to do it. He is spectacular. All right, I do think he is a great player and a and a, a has the potential to be an all-time great Let's put the brakes on the comparisons to people like even LeBron and Jordan and Kobe. Okay, let's give it. Let's give it some breathing room here. He is a spectacular player. He is strong. He's a ball handler. He can score in a multitude of ways. He's a phenomenal passer. A phenomenal rebounder. He's got a lot of bird in him. He's got a lot of. You know, uh, he's got a lot of bird and dirk in him. Okay. All right, sticking with the white guy comparison. I don't see him as Jordan or Kobe. I just don't. Not yet. He's really good, though. Really good. And, man, I mean, the Warriors, they're 3-13. and 13. They lo- They're losing games by 48 points. I mean, they're unrecognizable with the team they have out on the floor. floor. Draymond Green didn't even play last night. But, anyway, all right, that's enough NBA for the day. Well, maybe. 
We'll see. Um, no, that's it for well, now. That's enough of today's NBA. <laughs> that's enough of today's. Well, you know, we'll come back with a 10-day um, sample. 10-day increment? 10-day increment. Okay. Every 10 days, we'll do our, our NBA 10-day increment story. Okay. That sounds <laughs> that good. That sounds really good. Uh, the Capitals lost last night, and Garnett Hathaway got a three-game suspension. Do you think that that was justified, a three-game suspension for spitting? You know, this is so bizarre because uh, I'm in the minority, I think. I don't think spitting is that big of a deal. I mean, you know, I mean, in the NHL, you can punch a guy so hard that you might be able to break his jaw, but you can't spit on a guy. It's exactly what... Um... Greg Wyshynski told me yesterday. I mean, really? And he did not. He did not expect him to get suspended. Well, I thought he was going to get suspended two games based on, based on the fact that everybody, everybody prefaced even the coach for the the Caps, Todd Reardon. But you heard it from the from the Ducks locker room. Is you always heard the the, the phrase? There's no place for something like that in hockey. That's what everybody said. So I I knew then. That if everybody thinks that that he was going to get he was going to get a suspension, right. I thought it'd be two games at the max, one or two games. I didn't think he get he'd get three games, but you know, I I, I had this discussion uh, on, on the radio yesterday afternoon, and we were talking. What would you rather do, get hit or get spit? And most people who called in said they'd rather get hit. <laughs> I mean, if, look, if if you get hit by an NHL player, you could die. You you could wind up in a hospital getting <clears throat> your cheekbones repaired. If you get spit on, you can go in the men's room and clean it off. Yeah. Now I'm not advocating getting spit on, but and and but spitting it is this 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 line. I remember Sean Taylor got kicked out of a game against the Bucks for yeah. for spitting in Michael Pittman's Michael face. Michael Pittman, Roberto Alomar, it was a playoff spit game. in uh, John Hirschbeck's face, and they all and, and the umpires almost went on strike. Yeah, so uh, spitting is some kind of psychological line. What it, you know what? What is it? I, I mean, it's it's. I mean. It, it, it's it's it, it's 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 an I, insult as it, much as anything. Look, I, this is not sexist. In any way, shape, or form, it's not the intention. But I'm just curious because I, I, I'm asking the question out loud. I'm not sure I know the answer to this. Do women view it the same thing? It's view it in the same way. Like if a, a couple of women got into a little bit of a scrap and got spit on, would they rather get hit than spit on, or is it a man thing? I don't know. I, I don't know what it is. Is it is it gender is this a gender specific topic or not? I don't know. I don't, I, I, I don't think it. Have you ever been spit on? Yeah, I I told didn't I, did I tell you this story or did I tell Greg this story the other day? I got spit on in a pickup basketball game years ago. I was younger, uh-huh. and more able, and okay. by the way, more willing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I got spit on in a game, I would react. Oh, I I reacted. Yeah, I I would react, but but generally. It, it, by the way, it was, and I told Greg this story. I think on the air the other day on radio, it was a it was a guy who was a first rate tool to begin with, you know, a guy that nobody liked. He was a complete a hole. He was one of these guys for those for those of you out there that play a lot of pickup basketball. It's the guy that every time missed a shot, called a foul, you know, and they would grab the ball and walk back and say, "Let's check it up," you know. It'd be it, half the time it wasn't a foul. I think at one, uh, I got sick of it. One of these games, one of these days, and took the uh, took the ball. I said, "No, no, no, it's not a foul." And started walking to the other end. He spit at me as I walked by. Ooh, wow, he's pissed. 
Wow. He's a former bad. college basketball player, too. That's pretty bad. Yeah, but, now, I, now, but, but, Darren, I, but I had the ball in my hand. Okay. What do you think I did with that ball? Oh, I think it went in his face. Hard. Yeah. And then me after that. <laughs> but it's funny because when you say this about spitting, why should spitting be worse than getting slugged in the face? I, I agree. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I agree. Look, Aaron will appreciate it's this. dirty. The one time I can remember that I was spit on was, was a great moment for me. What? I was 14, maybe 13 years old. I was at the Allentown Palestra watching uh, wrestling, <laughs> professional wrestling. And there was a wrestler, and we had great seats, like right the first row. And there was a wrestler named Gentleman Joe Turco. And I, I, I harassed him so much from ringside that he turned around and he spit on me. Yeah, but that seems like it's a bit of a badge of honor. Well, it was. Yeah. It was, exactly. That's yeah. what it was. Yeah. I'd gotten the response I was looking for, you know? But that's the only time I ever recall being spit on. I'm sure I've been spit on before. And to be honest with you, I'd be surprised if, if players aren't spit on in NHL games all the time and we just don't hear about it. I, I You know... It's a it, it's it's a bit of a disgusting, vile, you know, low rent perceived as low rent thing to do. It's insulting. It's more insulting than it is, you know, unsafe. Yes. Although I guess if somebody's sick or something, it could be yeah, unsafe. I, but I, I, but I, it's I, not. It's it's not less. It's it, it's not more um, high risk than getting punched. The reaction I got yesterday were. More people, and this I'm sure this was the bravado talking, they said they'd rather get punched than spit. Yeah. I just think that's nuts. Anyway, uh, that's enough of hockey for the day. Yes, <laughs> okay, there we enough, go. That's enough of the hockey talk for the day. Um, so uh, there were a couple of, of, of football things and Redskins things that we should get to because we have not had a chance together to talk about Monte Nicholson. Am I right about that, Aaron? Did we talk about Monte Nicholson on Tuesday or not? No, I mean we've we mentioned it. Not, but it was more because we hadn't had all the info yet. Okay, and, and so all, what's all come out? Yeah, what's come out, out is afternoon. the findings from this search warrant that TMZ and I think the Post had. I, I think the Post had it that they found pills, marijuana, and foil with residue in the home. Um, we know at Callahan's reactions. We did talk about this on Tuesday. Yeah, we because did, you, you you were more worked up about it than I, I was. I, I well, I was asking the question that you know why is he playing when there is and was an incident that probably has more to the story to come, and that that later that day more of the story came out. Right, so there was a search warrant at his home. We also learned. Um, if we didn't know that on Tuesday, that uh, that the call that Monte Nicholson and the other gentleman in the home made was to her brother first, and he's like, "Why are you calling me? Call nine one one." And so, you know, you do have to wonder, right? You know, the possibilities of why you wouldn't call nine one one. There are a lot of uh, possibilities that are completely benign, like he completely freaked out. And got completely rattled and didn't but, think but, of but, it. But again, if you're if you're not thinking straight, the first call you make is nine one one. If you're thinking, what's what kind of impact is this going to have on me? Then maybe you're not calling nine one one. I was going to say that there are other you know possibilities that aren't so flattering. Yes, you know, like I don't want anybody coming to our house right now. Yes, or I don't want anybody seeing me, me in the condition that I'm in right now. So all of that is in play, which is precisely why I told you on Tuesday and why I still sort of feel the same way, and that is, 
why is a one and nine and a one and eight football team last week where you know optics should matter? Oh, come on. Oh, they don't. I know they don't. Okay. But they should. Yes, they should. You know, they're losing a lot of customers. I don't know if you've noticed. <laughs> I've heard. Yeah. So um I just wouldn't have played him unless somehow, you know, I mentioned this the other day to you, I think, is unless he came to me and said, I, I really need this. It's she'd want me to play. It's cathartic. I need to be with my teammates. I need to be around people that I love and that care about me or something like that. I don't know. Callahan's answer yesterday wasn't any more clear on it. He said that he's going to, as of now, he's going to play Sunday. Yeah. And he also said with respect to has the league reached out, are they involved in this? He said maybe. And it seems like it might be the case. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't cut him. Like, you know, there is a presumption of innocence, despite what his track record is. It's a separate incident, and and I and I would certainly presume him to be innocent, but I would be thinking about the organization, too, you know, and I would be thinking about the optics of, of playing him. But it was, at the very least, he was involved in an incident, you know, one in which somebody died in his home while he was there. Overdosed, according to the reports. You know, Cooley once said to me, and this is going to sort of relate because he didn't call 911. Cooley said to me about the drug testing programs that relates to weed, that if he were a GM and somebody got busted for weed, he would really wonder about the intelligence level of that person because they tell you before you're in the program the date you're going to get tested. And if you can't figure out how to get the weed out of your system by the date they've told you, yeah. you're pretty stupid or you've got a major problem. Yes. You know, it's one or the other. And, you know, the, the conversation came up and it was it was the Trent Williams conversation. Yeah. You know, and he said, Trent's actually really bright. I know Trent. He was my teammate. But for a lot of these guys, you really have to be dumb to get caught with weed in your system. And then once you're in the program, then it's random. Right. Then you don't know. But before you're put in the program, you know the date that you're going to be tested on. Um, you know what? In most cases, most people, reasonable people would say, how did he not call 911? Yes. <laughs> I mean. Yeah. I mean, or somebody in the house. Yeah. Somebody in the house said, screw you. I'm calling 911. <laughs> anyway. Uh, you know, I, I don't, look, I, I, I don't mean to be callous about it. It was a horrible thing. Uh, and I feel bad for the family and all that. But in terms, if I was a Redskins fan, I'd be numb to it already. I'd just be numb to it. So what? So you're <laughs> you're, you're you're playing a guy who 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 may have been had some kind of role in an, a, a terrible incident. Uh, you know, you're going to play him on side. What? Why would I care? Um. Yeah. Why would I care? Well, you know, if I didn't have to do three hours of radio every morning and then an hour plus with you. I don't think I'd be following this story at all. <clears throat> I, I mean, you know, it's it's like a lot of things with this team right now. Um, I don't know. I we, We've talked about this before. I think a lot of people tune in because they enjoy sort of rubbernecking on this disaster, you know, accident. Well, that's, that's human nature. Yeah, it's human nature. But, you know, when you get to Sunday at 1, less and less are actually paying attention to the games themselves and the people involved in the games. This is why, this is why last Sunday both Boswell and I – wrote columns that had nothing to do with the game, even though your, we were both at the game. Sorry, what was your column? I forgot. Well, my column was the big picture, the crowd. Oh, yeah. Uh, I And I contrasted that to right up the road 
at, at the stadium where they had 70,000 fans watching the best player in, in the league take apart the Houston Texans 41 to 7 and how, uh, you know, how the Ravens are such a stark contrast to the Redskins more so than ever and the impact that that's going to have on the Redskins down the line. I've been in Nor- I was in a, a sporting goods store in Northern Virginia recently, and Ravens gear was more prominent than Redskins gear. In Northern gear, Virginia, and Redskins gear was discounted. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, I mean, I and and it had nothing to do with the game. So uh, at this point, unless something dramatic happens in one of these games, you know, I mean, what what you're going to see written about will have very little to do with X's and O's. Yeah. I think you're right. Um, real quickly, before we get to a bigger um, DC sports topic that involves the Redskins, I went through the Bengals and the Redskins schedule schedules yesterday. This yes. is really um, something you're going to want to hear because <laughs> I think there's a pretty good chance the Redskins are going to go one in fifteen. I'd put that I'd put that chance at at least fifty fifty. They got six games left. They're going to be underdogs in all but one of them. Uh, and it's even debatable as to Aaron. Right now, the Giants come to to Washington. It's pick them at best. Yeah. Red, Redskins aren't going to be favored in that game. More likely than not, maybe a very <clears throat> slight favorite, but it'd be very slight. The Giants are better than the Redskins. I mean, they crushed them the first time when Case Keenum started the game, and then Haskins came in. They were down seventeen nothing. They got absolutely, you know, uh, run out of the building in that particular yes. game. But I, I was looking at the schedules for this purpose. Like, if the Bengals lose one more game, and they still have the Dolphins and the Jets on their schedule, and the Redskins don't win any, the Redskins would likely win the tiebreaker with the Bengals because they've got the easier of the schedules. And the easier the schedule, the earlier you get the pick. It comes down to strength of schedule. Okay. So if you are 1-15 against an easy schedule, you're a worse team than the team that's 1-15 against a tougher schedule. So they could have the number one pick. They could have the number no. one what pick a, in the What draft. a disaster that will be. <laughs> no, 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 no. What an absolute no. disaster no, 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 that no. will be. It would be great for that, us. That would be a disaster. It would be great for us. Yeah, it would be great for us. But what an absolute disaster. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it literally, it, it, it's, it's like... It's like Given forty million dollars in lottery winnings to to a coke addict, you know, and literally what it is, you just know that they're, they're gonna they're gonna burn right through that number one pick and do something stupid with it. It may take them, it may take them a while to do it, but they'll they'll do it. At um, least at least if these people are in charge. Yeah, <clears throat> I I I would you know they. This is, it depends on who's in charge. If Bruce and Dan are still there, and again, I don't think Bruce is going to be there. I really don't. Um, but I would really fear that they would screw up the whole thing. Well, if Bruce is still there, uh, he, he, they're not going to pick a quarterback with that number one no, pick. No, but I'm saying the trade opportunity is going to be massive. Yes, it will. I mean, they're going to be able to get a huge haul back yeah. for Joe Burrow. Yeah. The, the opportunity to draft Joe Burrow or Chase Young, but probably Burrow. <clears throat> but, yeah, I wouldn't feel good about it if it was that group. With Dan still here, people are going to say it's going to get screwed up anyway. But, um, anyway, I just wanted to point that out because I'm, I, I, I do the work for you. If they, if they win out, if they lose out and the Bengals can beat either the Dolphins or the Jets, 
I think the Redskins will end up with the number one pick in the Apparently draft. doing all that work <laughs> debilitates you a little bit, doesn't it? A little bit, yeah. I'm a little yeah, bit off little this bit morning. I'm coughing and you know? we're, we've got a lot of edits going on yeah. in the show right now. So I don't um, want you I don't want you to carry that burden for me, buddy, if it's if it's that's gonna okay. be, if it if if it's gonna affect your health. <laughs> so on your radio station, apparently I did not hear it, but I was texted by a friend about it and then I found the article that laid out what Grant um talked about did you hear about him telling yes. the story so um a buddy of mine uh texts me and he goes what's the deal with the dan and bruce golf game in dan's office at redskin park and i called him back i'm like you talking about the bruce golf game like how did you know about this and he told me you know that he was listening to right. grant paulson who was talking about a story that he had heard, I guess yesterday he was telling the story about how Dan and Bruce play these golf games in Dan's office and that Dan will often come out screaming at Bruce if Bruce is late for his scheduled tea times. <laughs> yes, I'm very, very familiar with these golf games. Very familiar with them. And I tried to think if Cooley had actually talked about them on the air or not. I think he did. He says he didn't. I think he did over the years, but whatever. Um, those games were played in Bruce's office, not Dan's office. And Dan wasn't really a part of of the, the – they had this – basically this mini putting golf course set up in Bruce's massive office. And there were several people involved in sort of a running sort of tournament, you know, in, in season with standings and the whole thing. And Bruce would, you know, schedule tee times with people like Cooley and other people to play in this game. I was familiar with it. I, I don't think it's a big deal. I understand the reaction to the thought of Bruce coming out of his office and being yelled at by Dan to get into Dan's office to play a <laughs> stupid golf game in the middle of like maybe reviewing film or something. I mean, it would be another reason to sort of clown him. Um, but uh, um, anyway, for those of you that he have heard that story, Bruce's office was the home course <laughs> for, okay. for all of these games. And I don't think Dan, Dan may have played once or twice from what I've remember from a lot of these stories. But really it was like Bruce and some of the more athletic guys involved in, in this thing. Um, yeah, Dan's, anyway. a, Dan's a racquetball player. I wouldn't say he's not athletic. Okay, you can say he's not okay. uh, that he's athletic. Oh, and by I'll, the way, I'll stick with the he's not athletic. Here, here's here's yeah. what that story does. It just illustrates one of Lavero's rules. If things look bad from <laughs> the, outside, the outside, they're much much worse. Yeah, but do you think like playing games in an office makes it much much worse? Well, if everything if if, if everything around you is on fire. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's the optics thing that I talked about. Yeah. You know, these things get out and it makes a bunch of clowns look even clownier. Yeah. You know, and uh, it's, it, what the Cleveland Browns are on the line about trading for Trent Williams. Hold on. No, hold on. I got a big putt here. Bruce has a big putt. He's <laughs> yeah. on number seven. Yeah. Tell him, tell him he'll call you back after he gets to the, to the halfway point for beers and snacks. <laughs> he'll call you at the turn. That That's the problem. I know. Um, all right, let me do a, uh, a quick uh, a quick read for mybookie.ag. If you're looking for a place to bet, consider mybookie.ag. They've got great lines. They've got payouts. They're reliable. You want to find a place if you don't have a guy already and you don't have a place to bet and you're looking for a place to wager, choose mybookie.ag if you don't have anywhere else to, to, to play. They are reliable. They're big. 
you can totally trust that you're playing with somebody that if you win, you're going to get paid. Uh, and if you lose, they're going to accept your payment too. But there's a great opportunity too. If you go to mybookie.ag and you use my promo code, KevinDC, they'll double your first deposit. All right? Use my promo code, K-E-V-I-N-D-C, at mybookie.ag, and they'll double your first deposit. Just to make sure everybody understands, I've said this before, if you take advantage of the promo, can't just pull your money out after you give them 500 bucks and they double it to 1000 and now your balance is $1000 you you can't just pull it out there and say wow i just made 500 bucks you're going to have to play through it's called you're going to have to play at a certain level for a certain period of time uh until you can take your money out uh but you know we've got the whole football season to go plenty of time mybookie.ag use my promo code kevin dc so Early this morning, I didn't see it when I was on radio, so I'll do some of this on radio tomorrow. But Rick Mace uh, and um, and somebody else, her name is Emily Guskin, wrote a story on a post poll, a Washington Post poll, identifying the favorite teams in this city. The poll results, okay, the poll results are that the Nationals are the are the favorite Washington sports team right now. All right, they got 28% of the vote. The Redskins were second with 13% of the vote. The Capitals were third with 10% of the vote. The Mystics were fourth with 8% of the vote. The Wizards were tied for fourth with the Mystics with 8% of the vote. And D.C. United got 6% of the vote. Um, The question was as follows if you're into these polling things and you know what you want to know specifically how the question was phrased question thinking about Washington's professional sports teams would you say your favorite team is the Redskins Nationals Wizards DC United Mystics or Capitals or don't you prefer any of these teams Now, the last time the Post conducted a similar poll was in 2010, and at that point, the Redskins were clearly the runaway favorite at 34%. The Wizards, uh, back in 2010, were second with 13%, Um, and then it was the Nationals at 7, the Caps at 6, the Mystics at 2, and the D.C. United at 1. So it's the Nationals right now are basically twice what the Redskins are in popularity based on this poll. Go ahead. I'll let you take the first swing at it. Well, the Nationals have the benefit here of the of the immediacy of having a, a, a World Series championship. I'm assuming this poll wasn't taken in September. I'm assuming this poll was taken recently, post-World Series. So they have the benefit of that. Uh, any rational person at this stage would not want to own up to the Redskins being their favorite sports team. I mean, given, given how, I mean, you, you really, I mean, you, you really have to question your intelligence. If you're a Washington sports fan and, and you would sit there and say, yeah, the Redskins are my favorite team. You know, I mean, people are going to are going to start saying novenas for you and feel sorry <laughs> for you. So, I mean, all the ingredients that are going on that right now leads to this. Uh, it certainly doesn't mean it's etched in stone and it couldn't change within a year like it has it changed over nine years in, in this case. But uh, I'm not surprised by any of it. I'm surprised. Actually, I am surprised a little bit that the Wizards are so low. Um, I am 
I'm not surprised at all, given the timing of this. They took, the, they did the poll between November 12th and November 17th. Yeah. So you're coming off a World Series, and and you are in the midst of the worst Redskins season of all time. You're also in the midst of the hottest Capital start of all time as well to yes. a regular season. Um, and the Wizards, you know, are, are are floundering a little bit, and the Mystics just won a title. Um, I'm actually very surprised that that 8% of the people uh, polled said the Mystics. I'm not going to lie to you about that. Um, And I'm surprised that even the D.C. United, uh, you know, is up there at 6%. But, you know, here's the thing. Um, The thing is this. uh, What you said, you are not, you're really going to have to be a diehard at this particular moment with the Nationals just having won the world effing series they they weren't like a hundred wins and won a series and then lost in the nlcs they won the world series pretty big deal yes you said it it was the most important sporting event that's ever taken place in this city was the world series games three four and five in terms of games played in this city i'm actually surprised that the redskins were second at 13 (laughs) percent seriously because I would have thought it would have been a runaway with the Nats in this kind of polling with this kind of question, all right? And that, you know, maybe even the Capitals would have been second with the Redskins third. I think if it was if it was April and, and the Caps you know, were about to enter the playoffs. Uh, yeah, but not with the draft. People were so excited after they drafted Dwayne Haskins. you got to be careful about that time in the year with the Redskins. This, this was probably the worst time of the year yes. and the worst situation yeah, ever was. to pull anything about the Redskins. Yeah, it was. And if, you're, if your prediction comes true that Bruce Allen is, is fired or let go or leaves, uh, that would certainly affect the polling that if it would happen in April. Yes, I think it would. Um, I don't think there's any doubt that 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 it would impact the polling. What I know for sure, I or I don't know for sure. What I have a sense of is it would not have, uh, impact ticket sales. I did a segment yesterday in the spirit of quid pro quo talk. Yes, I said, would you buy a season ticket or season tickets if Bruce Allen got fired? Almost everybody said no. See what it'll do? It'll get a great bump in social media reaction. People will be excited about it, but it's not going to equate into people buying tickets. Well, tickets and season tickets are two different things. You know, I mean, the market, the sports marketplace is changing. People are not buying season tickets, period, as as much as they used to. They're buying maybe maybe uh, season ticket packages that includes two or three games. The traditional season ticket as the foundation for sports franchises is is, is quickly disappearing. And teams are being forced to sell every game uh, as, as if, you know, as opposed to before, they'd sell season tickets and then they'd close up shop when they were done and then they'd sit around and play golf, you know, in their offices. Well, they can't do that anymore. So I'm not sure season tickets is, is, is a good measurement uh, of that. Uh, so you don't think that, that, that the firing of Bruce Allen uh, would have a significant impact on uh... the economics. Yeah. No. Okay. But I think they believe that. Really? Yeah, and that's one of the reasons I think he's going to get fired, or he's not going to be back. I, he may, you know, he may choose to walk away. Yeah. And retire. But I think they believe that there would be this huge boon, you know, huge increase in like you know uh, buying tickets. I, I think they're per usual off. 
But there would be a huge social media reaction, a huge yeah, sports would. talk radio reaction. Yes, there would. To, to it. One other thing I, I just want to mention about this poll, because I was just reading the methodology to the poll. Do you know that it was 900 and a, 905 adult residents of the District of Columbia? So nobody in Northern Virginia or Maryland was polled? I mean, are they saying, it says this Washington Post poll was conducted by telephone November 12th through the 17th among a random sample of 905 adult residents of the District of Columbia reached on conventional and cellular phones by live interviews. The margin of sampling error for overall overall results is plus or minus four percentage points. Look, I mean, I'm not going to tell anybody how to run their poll, but I'm going to tell them how to run their poll here. You've got to have a mix of D.C., Maryland, and Northern Virginia. It's got to be the market. And you know what? When you think about the results here, okay, maybe, um, well, I, I would suggest to you that the caps would have been higher with Northern Virginia and Maryland polled, that um, the, the Wizards would have been lower with Northern Virginia and Maryland polled, Maybe the Mystics would have been a lot lower as well. Uh, you know, the, the Redskins, I think the the feeling about the Redskins probably is the same in all three jurisdictions. Yeah. And maybe even the Nationals. I don't know. Maybe the Nationals number would have been higher if Northern Virginia I don't know if it would have been higher. I think it would have been about the same. If you're doing a poll to find out what the favorite sports team of the market is, don't you have to poll people in Northern Virginia and Maryland? I would think so, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't tell them how. And they have pollsters. I don't know why. Why they came to this conclusion? I, I'd, I'd be interested in finding out. Yeah, I would <laughs> be. I tell you what would have been interesting if you if you did do the whole market, and you asked the and you added two other teams in there, the Ravens, and the Cowboys. Well, definitely the. Yeah, no, those those would be the two. I mean, that would be an interesting poll then, <laughs> wouldn't it? I mean, because we have we have maintained Dan Steinberg and I have talked about this that if either paper assigned to the uh, Cowboys a, a Cowboys a beat writer that uh, you get more clicks and more attention than anything other than the Redskins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I think you know this goes back to the conversation about the NFL. Um, the NFL's king in most markets. You know, I know there are a couple of of you know markets that are unique right. where the NFL is not king. And that's why this polling is, you know, an indication right now in the moment that the Redskins have now lost the town to the Nationals. Um, it's not a surprising result given the timing, but I, I'm quoted in the story because Rick Mace called me and, and I had a conversation with him. And the demographics, you know, are obvious and they had some of the demographic breakdown. Younger people are less into the Redskins and yeah. older people more into the Redskins. I think that would that'd be obvious to anybody. But if the Redskins got on a roll, which would be miraculous at this point, and for two, three, four years were in contention, you know, winning divisions, going to the playoffs every year, having a chance to go deep into the playoffs, and this and this poll was done, it would be it wouldn't even be close. They would have Forty percent, and if, the next what if one. The Nationals would, were winning World it Series. It still wouldn't World... be close. Oh, I think it would. Yeah, I don't think it would be close. The I, Nats I think... would be the clear cut second. And you'd have the market divvied up into two. No, I, I, I think that the yeah. Nats would still be on top. What's a roll? 
uh, I just gave it to you. Like three, three, four years, you know, 10, 11 wins, winning divisions, being in the playoffs, having a legit chance, being in an NFC championship game or a Super Bowl, you know, maybe not even winning it, but getting to the point where you were a legitimate Super Bowl contender and a contender for three, four years, I think it would turn on a dime quickly. I think, I think, I think it might. Uh, again, I maintain that there's, you know, if the Redskins come back, there are fans that won't come back. That doesn't mean they won't draw well. That doesn't mean they'll have big crowds. But uh, the Redskins' problem is in the business office, too, just as much as it is on the field. And, I, again, I, I, I'm going to repeat this. The idea of selling tickets and selling a team has changed dramatically. And it's this is what Brian LaFamina was here for. He was here in part because the the marketing and selling of a team is different now than it was five years ago. And he understood that. The Ravens understand that. The Redskins, they don't get that. They're 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 in the twentieth century. All of the Brian LaFaminas combined together in one organization are not going to do much if your team stinks yes, on the field. But if your team is good, you can't just automatically assume I understand that, that you can open up shop yeah. and just do business the way you did in the past. That's fair, and I understand that. I don't even know what the tactics are, but it's got to be a hell of a lot of different, a lot different with social media and with technology yes. and with just the way fans sort of view attending a sporting yes. event and consuming it's a sporting all event. All changed in, in, right before our eyes within a few years, yeah. just like that. I want to get to one other quick Redskins subject. Um, I talked about this this morning because I think it's interesting. So I, I have a sense that Alex Smith is an important figure in the organization. Um, well, he's with Snyder at every game, isn't he? Yes, he, he sits with He him. appears to be you know, very close with yeah. Bruce and Dan, very close. I think he's very well-respected, and he's very well-respected by his teammates. And, you know, the most important thing is that he gets healthy and that he returns, you know, he's healthy and he lives a healthy and happy life. And I think everybody wishes that for him. But, you know, the conversation is going to shortly turn to the $21 million salary cap number next year. And if they decide not to, you know, eat it all and move on and take the pain in 2021 and move on from him, which I think they should have done in 2020, would have been really painful. You could have spread it out over two years. Then they are viewing him potentially as a guy that could come in next year and play. And I, I just I think that's a terrible idea. First of all, the assumption here is that he would get back to physically being able to play. Obviously, if he's not, it's not a conversation. But there is, it would be another indication that Dan and Bruce really think we've all missed the point here. They were six and three a year ago. They had Alex. Things were going well. They were going to win the division. They were going to win some playoff games. It was going to be the first of like a three, four year run with his contract extension and maybe end up in a Super Bowl. And the truth is, is that what Alex Smith was in 2018 is he was a game manager at best. 
He had the 27th ranked passer rating for quarterbacks that started eight or more games. He was 26th in raw QBR. He was 27th in yards per game. He was 25th in completion percentage. He was 29th in yards per pass attempt. You can go down the list. He was not a very productive no. quarterback throwing the football. No, he was, and, and, and if, if nothing else, if the Redskins, and they did in almost, I think, all their wins – they scored first in, I think, all their wins. Exactly, which is why I always say about the 6-3, and three, because we've gotten this 6-3 and three attached to Alex Smith. They were really 6-4, and four because when he got hurt, they were down two scores to Houston, primarily because of his poor play in that game against the Texans. And they had not proven at any point at that year, that they could come back right. after falling behind. Right. So I really think we're, we're talking about a quarterback who had a 6-4 and four record. Uh, I've always wanted to make that emphasis because the 6-3 and three actually sounds a lot better than 6-4, and four, especially when they had Dallas on Thanksgiving four days later and then at Philadelphia on a Monday night, you know, 10 or 11 days after that, whatever it would be. You know, they were probably headed to 6-6 six and six with Alex Smith. And so... This notion that they were somehow this great juggernaut team headed for playoff glory is not reality. The reality was he was a, he was a good game-managing quarterback. He didn't turn the ball over. They relied on a running game early. They relied on a defense that stopped the run. They relied on turnover margin and field position yes. and, and penalty. You know, I love all the, the Coach Cal uh, talk about the penalties and bringing the referees in. And it's uncharacteristic, the penalties they had against the Jets. It's another slap at, at Gruden. Well, last year, on their way to 6-3, and three, they had a really good penalty situation. They were disciplined. You know, they played unlike any other Gruden team and any other Redskin team in a long, long time. Um, but Alex Smith coming back next year, if he's actually totally healthy enough to play football again, is a terrible idea. It is putting on hold the movement towards the future. If Dwayne Haskins is here next year and they don't draft Joe Burrow number one overall or Tua at number four or whatever, you know, and they're going to go with Haskins, he is your quarterback. Now, could you bring Alex Smith back to back up Haskins? Haskins seems to like Alex Smith, considers him to be a mentor. Remember what Patrick Mahomes said about Alex Smith, yeah. what a mentor he was. You know, at $21 million next year as a backup, uh, okay, you can do it. I would not be tempted by having Alex Smith there. I'd rather hire him to be a coach. And why would he do that? Why would why would he be a coach? He doesn't have to coach. Coaching's a lousy job. It's not a good job. No. I but but you know all of this. So I, I, the question this morning for for callers was: I said, finish the following sentence. We all wish the very best of health and happiness for Alex Smith, but dot dot dot. <laughs> you know, and almost everybody said. Of course he can't be the starting quarterback. But, Tommy, if he gets back to full health, I'm telling you right now, Dan and Bruce love Well, think about Alex. this. Think about the, what you're saying here. And they they if, think last year they were close with well, him. Well, if, 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 if that's the case, if that's the track they're on, and if Dan is close to Alex, and Alex was Bruce's move... Bruce isn't going anywhere. I know. That's another thing that I would not be thrilled about. Yeah. 
I mean, it's Dan loves Alex too. Yes. So it's possible Bruce could go and Dan still loves Alex and stays. I don't but, know. But I, see, th- I, th- I think I think that's a threesome. This is. <laughs> oh God, that sounds not very enticing. The um, the whole notion of them thinking this way, if they do think this way, and I think there is some evidence that I have that they do think that last year's, last year's team was a much better team than I think it was. And I think a lot of you would agree with me and some of you don't, but that's fine. Um, that if he's physically fit to play, they want to prove that they were right. And here's the other part of this. You know, you bring Alex Smith back and Bruce is back because the whole thing, you know, who could come back? Callahan could come back. Yes, he could. I mean, I Tommy... With whatever they bring in next year, I'm marking it down right now as a four and twelve season. They're going to be one and fifteen or two and fourteen this year. A new coach, a whole new setup. It's still probably going to be not a playoff season. Okay, I don't know if it'll be four and twelve. If it's a really, you know, if it's a better situation, better coaching staff, maybe they can go five and eleven, six and ten, seven and nine. But it's not a playoff year next year. Right. You know, next year is another one of those years where we're building for the future. We're building for really 2021 and beyond. And if you are bringing Alex back and Haskins, you then have to find the coach that thinks that's okay. Yeah. And and, and they'll only hire the one that says it's okay. Right. You're right. I so, mean, there's a chance the whole band could be back. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the first show we saw with this band was yeah, terrible. The whole band could be bad. It was too loud. And, the and drummer was awful. Wouldn't the you singer f- was terrible. Wouldn't you feel queasy I already watching do. Alex Smith, though, out there? Wouldn't you feel nervous for, for him? For him? Of course. Yeah. I mean, I, and I can't imagine what his... I, I, don't, I don't know what his wife tells him or what they Did discuss. you see the Instagram video yeah, she I put did. out? Yeah, I did. It's yeah. very inspiring. Very inspiring. But But I would be scared to death if he was out there. And he and I was I was close to Alex Smith. Every time he got hit, I would just imagine his his leg crumbling like paper. You know, I mean, the only path, and they're probably not going to take it, is to can everybody for Dan Dan Snyder to have the epiphany that we've talked about over the years, apologize to everybody, it take blame for all of it, and promise. That he is going to, with the help of somebody, Joe Gibbs, a consultant that he's gone to the league, the league is providing him with a consultant or two to help. He's going to hire the best person he can hire to take over the football operation, and he's going to give that person contractual autonomy. And that football person will then hire the coach. And then that football person will hire the coach. Yes. And if the hire ends up being Greg Williams and he gives Greg Williams that that you know VP of personnel title and elevates you know um, Eric Schaefer or Kyle Smith to GM or whatever, Kyle Smith it would probably be, something like that has to happen. Without that, you got nothing. You got nothing. I know. I mean, yeah, I'm queasy. Yeah. Very queasy. Uh, we we wanted to do... Um, no, you wanted to do... No, the conversation about the NBA thing. Oh, okay. Do, do we have time? Yeah, we got time. Okay. We absolutely have time. Let me first quickly just tell everybody. Um, by the way, got some numbers on the app. I mean, a lot of you have downloaded the app, which tells me that it's working pretty well because I've not gotten a lot of complaints. So if you want to download the app on your iPhone, just go to the App Store on your Android, go to the Google Store. Um, the app provides the podcast, all of the old shows. That's right there when you click on the app. The updated show 
um, the the uh, the newest show, and it's got my Twitter feed, the uh, show's Twitter feed, the show's Facebook feed as well. Um, and if you enjoy it and the other platforms that you've been um, listening to it on, that's fine too. And if you're on those platforms, rate us, review us, and subscribe. That helps us. Doesn't cost you a thing. So Tommy texted me yesterday a list uh, put out by RTNBA. Um, they seem to have a big following on Twitter. Yeah, 226,000 followers. Sent me um, the thing, they, a thing that they did where they identified every single NBA team's all-time best franchise player. Yes. Franchise player. Not necessarily the city that they're in now, right. but the franchise, which includes its origins. Yes, you see that with the Hawks, yes. which I think they got wrong with Bob Pettit as, as the old-time Hawks as player. Opposed said, as, op- as opposed yes. to Dominique Wilkins. That, I, that I would, would agree. That would be mine. But you want to start with the Wizards all-time franchise player? Who was it, Kevin? <laughs> it was Gilbert Arenas. Oh, my God. Are you kidding what me? What an insult. I mean, this is what happens, and this is why I tweeted out, this is what happens when you hire children in the media. <laughs> you know, I mean, this is what happens when you have people who believe, sort of like you in a way sometimes, mm-hmm. that, the war- that the world started when they were born. Right. And that nothing happened before them. This is how you wind up with Gilbert Arenas as the best player in Wizards franchise history, ignoring a Wes Unseld, uh, who who won the MVP and the Rookie of the Year in the same year when they were with the Balt when they were the Baltimore Bullets. This is so so. This is franchise history. Yes. So this is going to be hard for me because in my world it started when they got to Washington, right. as you just described. Right. And because of that, my all time. Um, Washington Bullet slash Wizards player would be Elvin Hayes oh, El- with a slight edge over Wes. Slight. Well, Elvin Hayes again would be above Gilbert Arenas. Earl Monroe. Well, of course, would be above Gilbert Arenas. You could make the case that Bobby Dandridge, Bobby, D- would be above Gilbert Arenas. John Wall's above Gilbert Arenas. Really? Uh, definitely. I don't know if I go that oh far. Oh my God! Yeah, John John Wall is definitely. Uh, if if I put together my top five Washington, by the way, you're forgetting Gus Johnson. Yes. in Baltimore. No, too. I didn't get to him yet. Okay, so Elvin Hayes, Wes Unseld, John Wall, Bobby Dandridge, and then for me, after those four, it's either Gill or Phil. I'd probably go with Gill as the fifth best Washington Bullet slash Wizard of all time. If Phil hadn't gotten the back injury and he had played another four or five years healthy in Washington, he'd easily be in the top five. Yeah, he, he was a sharp shooter. Um, but Elvin, Wes, and, and Wes are 1-2. In whatever order you want to put him in, yes. I'd put Elvin first and Wes second. i put Wes first and Elvin but second. But if you consider Baltimore, you probably go Wes first and, and Elvin second. Yeah. Because um, Wes was not only the rookie of the year in 68, he, he was, was the, the MVP. MVP. I mean, well, right. that was remarkable. I mean, and, and that's when that's when Nate Thurman was playing, Wilt Chamberlain was playing. That was Russell's last right. year in, in, in the NBA. And, and Willis Reed was playing. And let me get to Willis Reed with the Knicks. So uh, who, who, hold on, where's the Knicks best The Knicks pick, uh, Patrick Ewing. And a lot of people tend to agree with this. I would just tell you that Willis Reed, played in two NBA finals. He was the MVP in both of those finals, and he went against Wilt Chamberlain in both of those finals. I know. Okay, so 
I'm sorry. But wouldn't you put Walt Frazier ahead of Patrick Ewing? I, 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 I thought about that a lot. And to, and to bend over, to be fair, I wouldn't. I mean, my initial reaction would be Walt yes. Walt Frazier was a champion. I know that. I know. Two-time champion. Yeah. I, Walt I know Frazier that. was as big well, so a part was, of those championship well, teams so, so as was, Willis Reed. So was Dave DeBush. I understand that. You know, but I wouldn't put him a, ahead of Ewing. But I would definitely put Willis Reed ahead of Ewing. You know, I mean, this is just a sloppy thing. They transposed the pictures for uh, Isaiah Thomas and Alex English. So they've got... Uh, Alex English for the Nuggets? Yeah. Well, who who would you pick? You know, I mean, of the Nuggets, absolutely, I think Alex Dan English. Dan No, Alex English. Alex English was a great player. Okay, so was David Thompson for a short period yeah. of time. I would say Alex English would be the Nuggets. But they have Alex English's picture with the Pistons. I guess I would have Alex English. How many times did Alex, Alex, Alex English lead the league in scoring? It was a couple times, right? Yeah, he, he was a prolific scorer. He was. And then they have Isaiah Thomas's picture uh, with the Denver Nuggets. So they got that wrong. What? Uh, no, they got the pictures mix, oh, messed okay, up. Oh, okay, got it. You know, uh, another one I pointed out to them was that they have uh, Chris Paul as the greatest clipper of all time. Bill Walton? Well, no, I didn't do that, but I went back to Buffalo because they're the Buffalo Braves. And you got McAdoo. And I got McAdoo, who won two scoring titles while he was with Buffalo. Uh, and, uh, I mean, he was with Buffalo for six seasons. I'd consider Chris Paul. Over McAdoo? Well, how long was McAdoo in Buffalo? Six years. It was? Yeah, from 69 to 75. Mm, it's close. It's close. I, I mean, it's, it's not close to me. I mean, uh, McAdoo, I mean. Uh, who, so, get, get the, the, the biggest debates are Lakers and Celtics, like the great teams where there's so many options. I mean, I'm going to tell you right now, Magic's my number one all-time Laker, and I don't care what people say about Kareem or, uh, or Wilt or anybody else. Magic would be my number one Laker, and I think they did have Magic. Yeah, they did. Okay. But, but I, I can live with that if you put Kareem – as Lou Alcindor, and as a Milwaukee, as a Milwaukee Buck, I mean, he won three of his. Uh, I think he won. Uh, let me see. Hang on a second. Uh, I'm not sure. Hang on a second. Uh, well, he well they won the title when yeah. Oscar was on the team. Yes, over Boston. Yes. Um, he played. He played in Milwaukee. It had to be six or seven years. Yes, right, Tommy? he did. Yes, he did. How many years? Uh, I think six years. Uh, here's how the, he played for six seasons. Won his only two NBA scoring titles mm -hmm. with the Bucks, and three of his six MVPs were with the Bucks. So you uh, you could easily make the case uh, no, for, no, for him. Well, it's not. It, you don't even make it, right. that's that's the answer to that. But question. that wasn't their answer. Who was their answer? Uh, what's the guy who's playing who plays for them now? The Greek Giannis. Yes. Well, of course that's ridiculous at this I know. point. He may become it. Yeah. Did anybody watch the playoffs last year? Yeah. When Kawhi Leonard took him to school in the yeah. postseason, um, you know the uh, I'll tell you what I, I'd probably pick Sidney Moncrief or Marcus Johnson. Just thinking about some of those good yes. Milwaukee teams a over Giannis at this point. Yeah, I would too. But you could make Kareem when he was Lou Alcindor the that, best Bucks. But hold, and then but, and then but would and, you pick Kareem over Magic for the no? Lakers? I wouldn't. I'd pick Magic. Okay, but what if he didn't play for Milwaukee? I'd ever? still pick pick Magic. Okay, but that's a tough one. Oh, and now, now here's the, what's so not a tough hard. one. Kobe, Magic, this is Wilt, This is not Kareem. a tough one. I love Larry Bird. 
And I think Larry Bird is is an underrated great player. I think he's maybe one of the top six or seven players. You don't have to convince me. Okay, but Bill well, Russell is the, the number one champion of all time. Celtic. I mean, it's it's not an argument. And but they have Larry Bird as as, as if Russell's eleven championships. I know different different league then. I mean, but but you see, this is what I don't get, Kevin. I'm we're, not we're, I'm not going to argue with you. I think I think if I it, hold on. I think if you told me I had to vote on this, I think I would definitely pick Russell. Yeah. I think I would definitely pick Russell, even though th- this is the problem with teams like the Celtics and the Lakers, is that you could take their next four greatest players of all time and spread them around you know, four or five other teams that, that don't have players that even come close to any of them. Right. Yes, you could. We're so willing in the NFL. I mean, it's still not arguable among most people. That Jim Brown is the greatest player in the history of the league. Jim Brown hasn't played football in 50 years. I know. But we are willing to accept. Why are we? And in baseball, it's the same thing. People will say Willie Mays is the greatest player to ever you know, play. He hasn't played in almost 50 years. But we're willing to accept that, but not in basketball. And that angers me. I don't know why. <laughs> well, people- you and I do. No, you don't to it's some extent. It's been 30 years since Magic played. That's and to true. me, Magic's my number one all time. That's true. It's I, actually I'll, I'll now been 20, 20 years since Ma- uh, since Jordan played. Yes. Yeah, so I just I – just, but I think people are more reluctant to do it in basketball because basketball players are so athletic. And you've argued this. I mean, I don't think it, it's prevalent as, as it is. I don't think the differences in athleticism in basketball players is that dramatic. I don't think it's more dramatic than it is in football players or baseball players. I didn't say that it was. It's just more dramatic in all sports. It's, well, a, it's, it's physical evolution. But, but I, I, yeah, I know it, but we're not on speed dial with evolution, Kevin. I understand that, but I'm telling you, with, with respect to sizing up these athletes, I told you this like a, several months ago, and I'm forgetting the game, but on NBA TV one night, I was sitting there watching it, and they had the lie, the way the broadcast came live on ABC of Lakers-Celtics game something in 1962. And I'm watching the greats, Jerry West and Bill Russell and Kuzi and all these players. And I'm telling you, Tommy, as I was watching this, and I've talked to a lot of people because I made that comment. I'll never forget guys like Gary Williams called me and other people called me and said, you're 100% right. I think DeMatha's team this year would win a game against that 1962 NBA Finals team by 30. Well, they couldn't because they wouldn't get a shot off because Wilt would block every shot. <laughs> really? Well, they, they couldn't. Okay. I mean, they could well, You know the story about Wilt Chamberlain when he was like uh, Russell oh. Russell's going to have to come out to about 25 feet to block their shot. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, Wilt, uh, there's the story that when, when I think Wilt was like 48 years old playing a pickup game in uh, in L.A. and with some NBA players, yeah. and somebody did something to disrespect them, and he said, basically announced to the court, gentlemen, there'll be no more baskets at this end. <laughs> and he then blocked yeah, that's a good every single shot right, yeah. that came down when he was 48 yeah. years old. Right. So. Yeah. I mean, that could be a bit of a reach for me, but um, a college team. It's just, they're bigger, stronger, faster, But not, not than everybody. Not than everybody. I always point to Carl Malone. Like, if you look at Carl Malone and you look at his measurements in the, in the, in the early 1990s, mid-1990s, late 1990s, his phys- – and also remember what he was as a player. 
You take Carl Malone from 1997 and plop him down in 2019, he's going to look like the rest of the guys. Right. He's going to play like the rest of the guys. But, you know, even the difference between Jordan, who was barely 200 pounds, one, you know, 195, and LeBron, who's 270, you know, it's just a massive physical difference. You and I, when we first started to do the show, you know, and I remember Tracy McGrady, McGrady was one of these players, and he you know, turned out to have all those injuries, et cetera. Yeah. But I remember saying to you, because you and I both love basketball, and I'm like, the biggest difference now is that there are like a dozen players you can't guard one-on-one with the best defender in the league you it's impossible to stay in front of that player and that's why you saw you know in the mid you know I don't know when it exactly started you saw you know consistent double teams like we are not going to let him have the ball right. he's going to have to give it up and then we're going to play 3 on 4 you know, for the rest of this possession. But guys like, you know, it was the real explosive guys early on that just, there was this quick twitch, explosive, with the basketball thing that you don't see from way back in the day. And I also think the ball handling in particular, the shooting was, there's not much difference in in terms of a great shooter back then and a great shooter, except for the distance. You know, back then, a guy that shot a 30-foot jump shot, it was a heave. Now it's just a jump shot from half court. You know, LeBron can pull up from just inside half court and shoot a normal jump shot. It's not a heave. It's not a chuck. That's that's, that's a you bit know? of a reach. It wasn't a heave or a chuck. Oh, yeah, it was. Half court shots back then? No, it wasn't. No one was shooting a jump shot from half court. I, I know. No one. But now you've gone to half court. I'm saying regular jump shots were not heaves. I'm not, saying no, no, not I'm, from 30 feet. No, I'm saying these longer, uh, like just look at the difference in in the shooting ability. It's gotten much further of out. Of course, it's gotten okay? much further out. So, but but also that's also a result of that was considered to be a bad shot back in the day. The idea without a three point line was to get the ball as close to the rim for a high percentage shot than it was to take high percentage shots or lower percentage shots from deeper. I don't know. I mean. It's a conversation we've had many times. I I think basketball players are the best athletes in the world, and I think you see the differences more in that sport, but I think the differences are significant in all sports. You know, it's training, it's it's nutrition, it's all of those things. People are bigger, stronger, and faster in life, period. They're healthier, too. They're not that much bigger, stronger, or faster than they were 50 years ago. Really? Yeah. Okay. Not I think tr- the average human being is bigger and and oh, so so and big, w- bigger we, and stronger. So will we be flying fifty years from now? Huh? Will we be flying on our own fifty years from Who now? Who knows? <laughs> Wouldn't we both love to be around to see it? <laughs> I'd be a. Um, what were the other ones you had a problem with? As I'm looking through these. Well, let me tell you about. I mean, uh, first of all, how's Russell Westbrook the greatest player in Oklahoma Oklahoma City history when Kevin Durant was on that team? Although Durant was not as good in Oklahoma City as no. he was afterwards. How about what? Clyde Drexler? Oh, in Portland. In Portland. Again, you would argue Bill Walton. You, well, Walton's definitely the yeah. greatest player in yeah. franchise history. Yeah, so. Please tell me in Houston it's Elijah one and not oh, somebody like Harden. I don't know. Okay, yeah. Hakeem. Okay, it's, it's Elijah one. Yeah, as it should be. Yeah. As it should be. Um,. What else? Dirk in Dallas, LeBron in Cleveland, Steph Curry in Gold, at Golden State, Doctor J with the uh, with the Nets. Oh, with the Nets. What yeah. about the Sixers? Did they have Moses there? 
No. Or did they have Irving again? I don't. Th- I don't know who they have at the Sixers. Iverson. I forget. I'm looking up McAdoo because I made the case for McAdoo and I didn't have the, all the information for you. Bob McAdoo won three scoring titles when he was with the Buffalo Braves. That's yeah, he could score. Okay, so I mean that's why I have him o- over over Chris Paul. Uh, three scoring titles. That th- those are the only three scoring titles he won. I mean th- those Buffalo teams were great, and McAdoo was was unbelievable. Then he got traded. Then he went to the Knicks, and uh, it was it was not it was not pretty. I I don't know what the hell happened. I'll tell you what, he was a key reserve on a couple of Lakers title teams. I know he was. Uh, Wilt is the 76ers player. Okay. I mean, that's when he was scoring 100 a game. Yeah. Well, he was with the he was only with the 76ers briefly. I know. I mean, he was with the Philadelphia Warriors. The Warriors, but the Philadelphia franchise. Yeah. Uh. So that's that's all. It's just. It was a pretty sloppy thing well, for somebody. Well, I mean, Gil- Gilbert as the greatest player in 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 Washington history is a joke. Yeah, a I mean, and, and for something that that touts themselves as you know some kind of NBA expert, uh, th- th- this uh, Twitter account, it was pretty sloppy. Tough call between Malone and Stockton. They went with Malone in I'd go Utah. With, I'd go with Malone. Um, yeah, I think yeah. probably. Yeah. Probably. Now, what about Steve? Uh, What's his name? The uh, the uh, point guard that everybody loves, Steve Nash. Steve Nash over Barkley in Phoenix. Yes. Really? That's a tough one. Yeah. The question is whether or not you put him over Paul Westfall. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if I'd put him over Barkley in Phoenix. Uh Barkley's best years weren't with Phoenix. They were, you know, more in Philadelphia. I know. I, I think Steve Nash is the greatest player in Phoenix history. Yeah, okay. I could go with that. Okay. What else do you have there? That's all I got. Jordan, obviously, with the Bulls. Dirk with Dallas. Elijah Wan with Houston. Reggie Miller in Indiana. Uh, Mike Conley in Memphis's short history. Kevin Garnett, Minnesota. That makes sense. Yeah, Giannis in Milwaukee, please. Yeah. Uh, Wade in Miami. Yes. Yes, because he yes. was there for the first title. Yes. And was the key in that first title team in 2006. I agree. Um... All right, that's it. There's nothing else to debate here, I don't think. No. Oh, they've got uh, they've got Oscar for Sacramento. Well, they used to be the Cincinnati Royals, Royals right? And then they became the Kansas City Omaha Kings, Kings, and then they moved to Sacramento. I remember the Kansas City Kings teams with Phil Ford uh-huh. and Scott Wedman, and a couple of those. They had, they had a couple of good teams before they moved to Sacramento. Yeah, a couple of decent teams. Kansas City had an NBA team, people. If you didn't know that. We done for the day? I think that's it, boss. All right, back tomorrow. I'll have a football Friday ready for you, um, including smell test if you still want it. Uh, thanks. You, you to... know what? You know what? Let me just mention a couple of things. Yeah. First of all, you can hear me with Nick Ashu Saturday morning, uh, nine and noon on one hundred six seven. A fan, you read my stuff in the Washington Times. Go to WashingtonTimes.com. Click on sports and pray. Uh, and the other thing is. We didn't do an, NV, an NFL power poll, did we? No, we didn't. Ah. You didn't want to do it today. That's fine. Uh, wait a minute. You know what? Just real quickly, who was the Pistons? Was it Isaiah? Yeah, okay, it was yeah. Isaiah, but All they right. got the picture wrong. They oh, got Alex right. English's picture there. That's right. Okay, uh, back tomorrow. Enjoy the day.